The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side. All right, Dolphins fans, welcome back to another episode of On the Fin Side. We are joined tonight by former Pro Bowler, former All-Pro, Super Bowl champion, and brand-new Miami Dolphin, Thomas Morstead. Averaging just under 47 yards per punt in his career, on 737 career punts, he's got almost 35,000 punting yards. 269 of those punts went inside the 20-yard line. And only one career punt block, uh, which is just astounding for a 13-year career. Earlier this offseason, we talked about the fact that the biggest hole on the Dolphins roster was the punter position because we just didn't have one. And now we have one in spades. Thomas, welcome to the show. We appreciate you joining. How are you today, man? I'm great. I'm glad to finally meet you. Uh, excited to be part of the team and uh, just looking forward to a fun adventure this fall. So first thing I want to touch on. It's we didn't have a punter. Everybody was looking at the draft, analyzing punters for the first time in a while. Um, yep. There's been a lot of great punters in the history of the organization. I know Gil Brandt put out a list a few years ago where he had you as the number 12 punter all time. And I know you've got a lot left in the tank. You're a workout warrior. What brought you to South Florida? Um, <clears throat> well, Chris Greer did, <laughs> um, you know, uh, coach. McDaniel, uh, coach Danny Crossman. Um, you know, I, I, look, I just like you guys, I, I was, uh, curious as to, you know, there was no punter on the roster and, you know, I never want to undercut another player, but, uh, after a while it seemed pretty, um, it seemed clear that, you know, Pilardi wasn't coming back. And so I just reached out to the team and, you know, was like, Hey, you know, you guys set on drafting a guy and, and, um, and, and they said, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too into the weeds on it cause it's personal business, but basically I don't think they were aware that I was willing to play for the minimum salary benefit. And I made it clear that I was, if they were, you know, if they would guarantee me enough of it to know that they were serious about me being the guy this year. And so, you know, it was a few minutes of, uh, conversation. They said, get on a plane and came out and the facility is unbelievable. It's just, it's, um, I've never seen anything like it. So, um, that and meeting with the new coaching staff and Danny Crossman is a big part of that. Um, he's, he's, uh, you know, I don't want to call him a guru cause, cause that makes you sound old, but he's, you know, he's been doing this for a very long time. He's got a lot of skins on the wall and we just had a really good meeting for the few hours that we spent together and we went over some film and, you know, made sure we were speaking the same language and, uh, and it just felt like a great fit. And, um, honestly, you know, 
I know there's a lot of expectations for this year. Uh, they've made a splash in free agency and, and there's a lot of excitement about it, which, which quite honestly doesn't mean a damn thing. Um, you still got to go out and you got to go earn it. You got to build from the ground up, but um, on paper, it looks to be a, a, an interesting opportunity, you know, Every year is special at this point. Uh, they always were, but as you get older and, and if you love it enough, it, every year gets a little more special. And so just the, the idea that I'd have a chance to be a part of uh, winning and be a part of, be a valued part of the winning uh, and be accountable to the team. Um, I don't know. It's just, everything kind of just felt like a great fit. And I could tell that they were fired up to get me. I, f- I felt like when I signed, they felt like they were getting a really good value. And it just, it feels good to, to, to be in that space. Well, I, I can tell you, you actually signed, I think, while we were on the air. And I remember my co-host and I sitting here and we went, he saw it first and he, he brought it up on the air. And I think my exact answer was, whoa, <laughs> like, let's go. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's funny you said about signing for the minimum salary. What people make is their business, but you know, that's all public and everybody talking about salary cap space and all those things in this, in this business. Um, and, and when they said that we, I think it was a double woe. Um, cause it, it's, and I know we were related. A lot of our listeners were almost in shock. Um, and it, it was an exciting thing for us. And I know you spent a lot of time with an organization, 12 years with the saints. That's been one of the winningest over the last two decades. Um, I know there's a general feel with with a lot of the winning franchises and it feels like there's been a massive culture shift with the dolphins uh with mike mcdaniel coming in uh danny crossman being retained and 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 you name it what can you tell us about the culture in miami right now uh i think it's ongoing development um you know coach is going to have his plan of how he wants the culture to be and you know what type of personality he wants to have this team this team to have and uh, same with the, the GM um, and the whole organization, you know, figuring out what they want this team to be about. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is it's about the players and the players have to dictate um, the culture on, on the teams that I've been on that have been really good. They've been special, um, you know, so I don't think that that just magically changes. Um, you know, you are what you are until you aren't right. So uh, that's going to be up to everybody on this team to decide what type of team they want to have. Um, you know, I think being the age that I am with the tenure that I have, um, you realize very quickly that um, the, how do I say this? Um, the sense of urgency is, is a big part of culture. And, you know, the averages that get tossed around about three, four year careers, the average is like, does everybody really feel that in this locker room? Because that's, you think you're not the guy till you are. Right. Yeah. And so I hope everybody feels that. I think that's why it's important to have older players on teams sometimes is so that you can really be an example and you have conversations with young players to get them to understand that. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, culture is a very, very tricky thing. It's like a reputation. It takes a long time to build and it can be torn down in an instant. And, um, 
I think it's important that every guy on the team just is, is honest about what they want out of this year. And, um, you know, who knows what our ceiling is? Uh, we, we really don't know, but we, everybody's got to make a commitment that they want to find out what that ceiling is. Right. And if everybody makes the commitment to that, um, then that's the, t- that's the team. It's not about moral victories, but that's a team that everybody at the end of the year will be proud of, uh, players, fans will be proud of it. I mean, I've seen it, um, uh, on other teams I've been on, uh, you know, other versions of the saints where, you know, we didn't go on to win the super bowl, but the city loved the team that year because they were about what the city was about. They, they fought their asses off and they just had a brotherhood and a bond that was like just unshakable. And, uh, I think that's what you're trying to do is you're just trying to maximize that as a team and take every advantage, every opportunity as just something that's like, man, you just maybe never get this shot again. And if you have that sort of sense of urgency, um, you know, give yourself a chance. Yeah. And it's, it's, you brought up the age factor. Um, and I know this is a very young roster overall. Um, and I know some of the guys that they brought in this off season, including yourself, uh, Teron Armstead, uh, bring a little more experience. We'll go with uh, from, from a 43 year old, we'll go with experience instead of age, but to, to that locker room and, and to the youth in that locker room, now, do you see yourself as somebody that steps into a leadership role with this team because you've got a little more experience around the NFL? Um, yeah, I, you know, everybody leads in different ways. I think what's important is authenticity, being yourself and just not being afraid to be who, what, what that is. Right. Um, uh, everybody's different. And, uh, you know, I think that what, what I find is that, you know, there's not a certain, you know, there's a certain number of captains on every team, right? There's only so many C patches, Yeah. but there's no, there's no cap on leaders. Correct. Right. And that's the big thing is, is, you know, you hope that whether the guy is in his 10th year or his first year, if that guy's an alpha dog and he's a leader, go be that leader. I don't give a shit if you're a rookie, go be that guy, you know? And, and it's, and it, and it's, you know, sometimes you don't know certain guys, you know, immediately, you know, that's a leader. Some guys, you know, immediately that's not a leader, but yep. there's a, there's a bunch of gray with a bunch of people where you maybe, maybe they haven't felt the opportunities right, or they haven't seen the moment yet, or maybe it's because they haven't thrown pads on yet. Right. Or they haven't, it's, it's different OTA practices to training camp or training camp to being in games. And, um, and, and so, you know, I just hope that everybody, like I said, has that sense of urgency and, you know, you don't have to have a C on your chest to be a leader. And, uh, you know, the more leaders you have on that team, you know, it, there's a, it's like a seesaw, right? There's a bunch of guys in the middle. You get a few cancerous, too many cancerous guys. It can ruin the, you know, it flips the seesaw one way and you get enough badasses in there that just, this is the way we roll. And they, you know, the coaches don't have to police anything. All they do is coach because it's self-policed and, there's just an accountability that's higher from the players than from any other coach or anybody else on staff. And that's, that's what I'm hoping to, to, to see and be a part of. And, and as somebody that coaches young kids, um, I, I actually coach nine U and seven U football. Uh, I love, love, love hearing that. Cause that's something that we try to develop with the kids. And it's funny. Every time my stepson <laughs> goes out on the field, last thing I say to him is go be the leader that you are. And yeah. it's cause that, makes more difference at times than being a special athlete even it's you know and you know this based on what you were just saying um 
And speaking of, of 9U football, this is kind of a segue for me. Uh, when you went into high school, your freshman year, from what I'm told, you were five feet tall and 90 pounds. Damn, you did some research, man. <laughs> That's crazy. My, my 9U football team, just for perspective, I had 13 kids this past year that were bigger than that. As far as that goes, Um, you would have been back weight at nine. You when you went into your freshman year. Yep. What happened from there? Like, (laughs) well, look, it's a, I don't know if this podcast is long enough for uh, long enough for the whole story, but basically I, I uh, went into high school. I was the smallest boy at at the high school when I went into high school. And, um, but I was still a kicker. Um, I I was, you know, specializing already at that age. Uh, because, because I couldn't play anything else at that size. Um, uh, and I went to a really big Texas 5A powerhouse high school. So uh, I broke both bones in my left leg on a kickoff. I got mashed by somebody on a kickoff and a scrimmage the first week of high school. And then just really wasn't interested in doing it anymore. I played soccer um, through high school. And by the time I got to my senior year, um, you know, I was – six, 475, maybe going into my senior year, um, which is still as scrawny as you can imagine. Um, just my bones have, I've, I've just grown, uh, tall, but, um, you know, I always could kick a football really well. And I had a knack for hitting spirals, uh, which, you know, for a high school kid with no instruction is, is very rare. And, uh, you know, my mom just convinced me. She said, you know, the head coach comes poking around every now and then asking you to come out for the team. You should give it a shot, go out and just enjoy your senior year of high school and see what happens. My, I went to a Pearland high school in Southeast Houston where the whole town shut down. I mean, you know, be back after the game in the, in the, in the storefront. So, um, you know, I decided to do it and I took over the punting and kicking jobs as the season went along from the guys that were starting and, um, ended up, I thought that was the end of it. And then, um, I had coaches talking to me about walking on and I had really good grades and got an engineering scholarship to go to SMU. And so, uh, teams were at least excited, the potential of me walking on just cause I, they weren't going to have to help me get into school. I was already going to get in. And, uh, you know, I just fell in love with, um, doing being a punter, I fell in love with it. Kind of like some people love going golfing and hitting, hitting at the driving range on Sunday. I just love going out to the field and kicking field goals and punting and sharpening that craft. And then I did discovered the weight room as a, you know, the summer going into my freshman year of college. And, um, you know, I just fell in love with the whole process of it. And it was never about making the NFL. It was just about, you know, having a chance to play in a packed stadium on a Saturday, just the idea of maybe getting to do that was awesome. And then um, two years later, I was on full scholarship. And then I was, by then I was 6'4", 225. And I was, my body had totally changed. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, I think I had a unique set of challenges that were timed perfectly for me. I had to learn to kick properly. I learned, had to learn to technically be good at it early because I couldn't compete otherwise. And then the God gifted ability and the workouts and the training all magnified. And it, you know, a lot of times the big leg guy gets the 
shot, even though he's not very technically good and he needs to learn to punt better or learn to kick better. I felt like I got very fine tuned relative to kids my age in order to compete because I couldn't kick it as far. And then, then all the weight room and the just, you know, growing and becoming, going from a boy to a man, it just kind of all started clicking. And my junior year of college, we were second in the NCAA in, in net punting and um, got drafted uh, in the fifth round and um, have had a just, just, um, I couldn't, no one's had a better journey than me. It's the whole thing's been awesome. So one of the things that I love most that you said was, was about making sure you were technically sound. Cause one of the things I know that I tell the kids all the time is technique wins. Uh, yep. you know, at the end of the day, there's athleticism and stuff that plays in, but the biggest thing is technique wins. And for, for somebody with your story, I love hearing that. Um, and then just to touch on that real quick, cause I love asking this to folks when I do an interview because all the kids out there and, and, and the kids that watch this show actually, um, what advice would you give them as far as how to get to the next level and then the next level from there and, and, and really maximize what they're able to do at, with football if it's, if it's a game that they love? Well, I would say that's the first thing I would say is, you know, and this is more to parents listening, you know, for the love of God, stop pushing your kids on into things that they don't want to do. Uh, my dad was a pro cyclist and he never once forced me to get on a bike. Yep. He would have, he would have absolutely loved me to pick that up. He never, ever once pressed me to do it. And he never forced me to go to workouts or to go do anything I didn't want to do. And at some point as a kid, you make a decision. This is important enough that I want to invest something in because I have a goal. And just honestly, it's, it's really not, it's simple, but difficult. You just have to be honest with yourself. It's like anything in life, right? Be honest with yourself. What do you want? You know, if you want to go out and get messed up every weekend, that's, that's great. You know, if that's really what makes you happy, but if deep down you want something more than that, and whether it's school or, or, uh, you know, a sport or anything, you know, if, if, if you, re- if, if it's something you really want, you know, you're going to, you'll make that decision. And for some people it comes earlier and some people it comes later and that's perfectly fine. Um, all I can tell you is, you know, there's a few outliers that may have, you know, they, they, they grinded so hard from such an early age that they just, they found a way to get in when maybe otherwise they wouldn't. But most of the guys that I see make it, they are just, they are just built. They're God giftedly different. And so people that are chasing professional sports with a, a seven or eight year old, or even chasing a college scholarship at that point, it's like, take it easy. You know, let, you're going to burn the kid out. Just let the kid develop a love for something and then just support them in that and, and be a resource and facilitate, um, you know, because once your kid decides on his own that he wants or she wants to do anything, then, I mean, that's, as a parent, that's what I hope. I hope my kids find one thing that they just love and they, they just want to go after it. I don't care if it's chess club or if they want to be, uh, you know, if they, whatever they're passionate about, I love chess, by the way, that wasn't meant to be a negative, uh, is whatever their passion, if they develop a passion for something, man, look out. That's, I just hope that's, a, that's the number one thing. Cause then they'll go, then they will be, they will go be the best version of whatever they can be at that, you know, and that's what you want. Now, if I knew you love chess, I would have had this beautiful hand carved chess set I have in the background for this episode. Uh, well, we'll have to we'll have to do this again at some point. 
Absolutely. You, you know, you're welcome anytime. Um, so back to the Dolphins real quick. I know this is a team that's just missed the playoffs the past two years, like been right on the cusp. And obviously, you know, the punting is, is, is a huge value. It's, it's about flipping the field position. Uh, but another area that the Dolphins had an issue with at times last year was with holding on kicks. Um, three games early in the season, the first six weeks of the season were lost by three points or less in games that Miami missed a field goal. One of the things that came out as the season went on is there were some issues with, with the holding, not to put it on anybody else. Um, I know that's something that you're being asked to do as, as we move forward here with the Dolphins. What technique and nuance would you talk about with that? Because I know that's an area not a lot of people put a lot of thought into as far as the game goes when they're watching until it's an issue. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I guess, look, I, there's a lot of ways that I do things that's probably unorthodox. Not, not that there's a, a right way or a wrong way, but I would say with my punting and with my holding that maybe it's not um, how you would coach it. Um, the biggest thing I think for holding is um, – you know, here's an example as a punter. If, if your snapper misses to the left all the time, that's really not a problem, yeah. right? It's a problem when he misses left and then misses right and then misses high, then misses low. <laughs> if you have an expectation of what's coming, there's trust in that, even if it's not ideal. So it's more about getting your specialist, your kicker, and your snapper I'm like just the intermediary. Like I'm just trying to like moderate and get out of the way. Right. I'm just trying to connect the dots. So I just want Jason to feel as comfortable as possible. I want him to know exactly what he's getting every time. And I try to create a robotic process from start to finish from when the timing of Blake puts his hand on the football to my communication with everybody, to our whole process to where there's no time to think. It's just step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six. All of a sudden the ball's there and no one knows what happened and the ball's right down the middle. It just is so, re it's so repetitive and ingrained, the timing of it, that you don't even remember the reps. And, and that's what I try to do. Uh, you know, I'm kind of, I was an engineering major in school, so I'm, I'm really process focused. And I think that's been a very big help to me in my career. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've never been, uh, accused of having the softest, sweetest hands when it comes to, uh, playing catch in the yard. But, um, when you get, when you get time on task with somebody and you just work things over and over and over and over and over again, um, that's the goal is to where nothing gets thought about and that he just gets the same picture every single time and he knows what he's getting every time. And I found that kickers, if they know what they're getting every time and there's consistency with it, then they can go out and be their most consistent self. So a couple more quick questions that I know will let you get going. I know you, you, you've got a busy schedule down there. Um, one thing that I found fascinating a few years ago uh, when Matt Hawk was with the Dolphins, I, I remember sitting down talking with him and there's a lot with punting that folks don't realize goes into it. Um, he mentioned that I think he had 12 or 13 different methods of, of dropping the football and, and the way he brought his leg through, depending on what the result was that he wanted. Uh, mm. Can, 
do you, I mean, do you have a bunch of different methods? I know you're a model of consistency out there. So it's. Yeah, I would say that's a lot of clubs to have in the bag at one time. For me, that would be, um, you know, there's certainly a feel to, uh, you know, if you're punting from your, you know, from minus 45 and you've got 55 yards to the goal line, you're trying to hit a 45-yard ball that's fair caught at the 10, different than you're in the back of the end zone and you're trying to flip the field. So there's different changes maybe in angle or how you're driving the football as opposed to hanging it up. But um, I would say I don't have a bunch of clubs in my bag. I have um, a few, um, but it's more of a feel to me. Um, Technically, I would say, um, and I'm not trying to be arrogant here, but I feel like I am as technically sound a punter as there's been when you just talk about how to punt a football consistently. And that's because I have very few moving parts and um, there's just not a lot of variables to what I do and, uh, and and the, or the way that I do it. And, uh, and that's by design. Um, Again, going back to the kind of the engineering background is the more things you have that are variables, the more things that can go wrong. And so I've just tried to minimize those with the way that I do things. Um, everybody's going to make mistakes. I'm sure I'll have a horrible pun or two this year and everybody will be screaming at the TV, but, um, over the course of time, um, I've found myself, that's the way that I want to be. Uh, that's the way I want to play the game. And I know that's the way that the coach wants me to play the game. Yep. Uh, just like we're talking about the kickers wanting to know what they want. They're getting coach wants to know what he's getting from every single player, every single game. And so if I'm going to be a lead at one thing, it's going to hopefully be being a consistent ball striker and putting the ball where I say it's going to be. There'll be, there'll be guys that'll hit a little higher than me. There'll be guys that'll hit a little further than me, but on, on, uh, you know, some guys will hit a 10 and then a five. I'm going to hit eights, hopefully eights just consistently over and over and over. And uh, that's winning football. And I know that's going to be music to a lot of Dolphins fans ears because we have had those times with consistency over the past few years. And it's funny because I I literally wrote down, I mean, I've watched you play before, but I I haven't sat and deep dove on your numbers before, you know, doing this interview. And I literally wrote down model of consistency uh, as far as that goes, because it's, it's literally, you just run down it. And while maybe there's a minute aberration here and there, you know, finding out you were an engineering student made a lot of sense as far as that goes. Um, yeah. Well, look, and- I appreciate it. And it's one of those things where, look, at, having said all that, it doesn't mean anything, right? It's all about what you do this year. And so I've got to go out and validate that and prove that to uh, my teammates and to everybody that they can trust me. And that starts in OTAs. And that's why I've been flying in and out of Miami every week, being away from the family so that I can start the process of, of developing that trust. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, skins on the wall. It gives you personal confidence, but it doesn't have any effect on this year. You know, it's all about going out and proving it and, and, uh, get it done. So, so last two questions. Um, I know you start, you were a kickoff specialist as well early in your career. I know you haven't attempted a field goal. Um, if Jason Sanders were, were to go down. Are you comfortable stepping into those shoes if, if asked? Yeah. Um, I was a three-year starter in college. Um, I had the NFL record for touchbacks uh, back in 2011. Um, so kicking's in my, in, in, in my DNA. I, I don't 
I don't major it in anymore because it's not what I'm asked to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, what's that old country song? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm a one time I'm as good as I've ever been so I can get it done. Uh, but if you asked me to be your kicker for 20 weeks, I don't think you'd be very happy with the results. It's, uh, it's, it's a more demanding position, especially kicking off is a uh, more demanding on the body. And, um, and so there's no doubt that not having that on my plate consistently anymore has been a benefit for my career. Um, you don't, you don't see a lot of field goal kickers kicking off into their late thirties. Um, uh, and there's, there's a reason for that. So Morton Anderson was what 65 when he retired, I think at this uh, point, like <laughs> I want to say, I, I want to say Morton made it to maybe 46 or seven somewhere in there. Uh, uh, but he was, he was fortunate to have some guys kicking off for him late in his career. Like, like a lot of great kickers have, you know, Benetary had Pat McAfee kicking off for him for years. Uh, Matt Bryant had Bosher in Atlanta kicking off for him. Um, I kicked off for John Carney and John Casey late in their careers. Um, and so it's, it certainly is, uh, you know, it's a harder thing on the body for sure. So but I'm, actually, I, I'd be, I'd be game for it though. If they need a kick, I'll, I'll be there for it. I, 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 you know, Jason Sanders, obviously I want to see him kicking all year long, but it, it is a little bit of a comfort looking back at, at, at your career and the things that you've done and knowing that there is somebody capable of stepping in. I, I still remember years ago, Wes Welker, kicking field goals for the Dolphins yeah. emergency. I, I was actually at that game. So I remember it. I, I remember watching it live. It was such a cool thing to see. <laughs> he trotted out. And I'm like, wait, what's going on right now? Yeah, like, he, he did. And he didn't just go hit one of these easy 20 yard extra points. I mean, he went out and hit a field goal in the game. I remember it. It was pretty cool. Um, so you actually brought up one additional question. I apologize, but it's, yeah, it's go ahead. Ask. You're, you're, you're 36 years old, but you're, you, you are a gym rat as, as I know you've put out there and you name it, uh, you can see it in, in what you do. How much longer do you think you, you have in the tank with the shape that you're in and Arthur Smith hitting you up with, you work out too much. I think it was. Yeah. Um, so first off, I'll address that. Uh, I loved art. He was great to me. And, uh, um, you know, I think the, that was a perception of me from younger years. Uh, I don't work out too much, certainly, but I'm definitely in the gym and that's why I'm still playing. Um, so look, people started asking me when I turned 30, how long I was going to play. And I've always said, I don't know. Uh, I love doing it. And, you know, as long as I know I can provide value, I can win more punting matchups than I lose week to week and be a value add for the team. I want to keep doing it. I love it. Uh, it's a great opportunity for me to, you know, show my kids how to work and how to persevere. You know, I get fired two years ago and, and them getting to see that. I mean, that was, you know, how many people get a chance to do that uh, when their kids are paying attention and watching what's going on. So it's a good um, lesson. it really, yeah. Is. So I was fired up about it and, and they're all on board, man. They're fired up. They were, when I had a few options of where to go, they all said, dad, we want to go to Miami. And so, um, they, you know, the fact that they're fired up about it is, is a big deal. So last question, speaking of kids, um, I know COVID kind of threw a wrench in, but I know the, what you give will grow foundation of yours has done a tremendous amount of good. There's a wonderful story after you were playing hurt in a game against Minnesota and really showed grit and determination and going back out there, the Minnesota fans, I think they raised something like $60,000 just from the Vikings fans. 
for your foundation? It was, it was 340,000. Oh, I yeah. was, my, my, my research was off by a lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, right. That's amazing. Yeah. Like what can dolphins, how can dolphin fans get involved in, in helping out with, with your organization? What, what, Tell, talk you the floor is yours for this because yeah so here, here's what i'd say look covid threw a wrench in a lot of stuff we've been doing and we're kind of in a transition period here's all i can tell you is i'm here i'm in miami uh that foundation was built to kind of support the new orleans area i will be getting involved in and in being uh hopefully a good ambassador for the dolphins in the miami area this fall so I, i'm looking forward to being a part of that and so um uh, you know, I, I just hope now that kind of, I know COVID's not over, but um, things have simmered down a little bit. I, I'm excited to be out and be a part of this community. And uh, it's going to be a new experience for me. And uh, I'm excited, hopefully, to get to a chance to meet a lot of uh, Dolphins fans. I had no idea how big the Dolphin reach was um, until I signed. I was shocked at how many people. I just couldn't believe the, the, the reception I kind of got, not that, you know, I'm some sort of huge signing, but my point is, is like, I just was shocked at how many people were reaching out. Um, you know, I think of some of the small market teams as the ones having these most passionate fan bases. And, uh, it was pretty cool to see. So, I'm, I mean, I couldn't be more excited to be a part of it. Um, it's been so cool. Um, meeting uh, certain people that are around the building. Uh, you know, I got to meet Dan Marino, which was like such a cool thing. And, and, you know, you want to talk about one of the nicest people you could ever meet. So it's, it's just, it's a lot of cool experiences and that, and that's part of keeping playing as well as just, you know, getting to do things like that, where you're meeting people um, that you would never otherwise get a chance to meet. You're connecting with um, just awesome people all the way around. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't be more fired up about it. No, and it's it's great that you mentioned that because I know there are a ton of fan clubs all over the U.S. for the Dolphins, um, including some that are actually registered 501Cs, even like the Dolphins and NYC club that uh, puts on a huge MetLife takeover every year to to give a home game up against the Jets. Sweet. Closer to me. Um, so, yeah, no, like that's that's absolutely great to hear. And anything – we can do to help you out once you get things rolling again with it. Let us know. Well, reach out. Yeah. Here's what you. I'd say. Here's what I'd say. It would be a super help is my family is going to go to that Jets game okay. uh, for a few reasons, because I was on the Jets last year for the first yep. half of the season, even though I didn't play against the Dolphins. Um, and my, my father-in-law is like a diehard freak Mets fan. Okay. And so he's going to, that, week is the first week of baseball playoffs. So I don't want to jinx anything, but we're hoping that they're hosting and I want to, I'll, he's going to hopefully bring my boys up for a Mets game. So if you guys have any sort of watch party uh, or any sort of things going on that week, uh, you'll have to keep me posted on that. Um, so, so, uh, you know, Absolutely. it'd be cool. It's uh, I, I might have to miss it because hopefully my, my youth team will be in a play in a playoff game that week. Oh no, we're not even there we go. Yet at that point, but it's, you know, the kids have to come first. You understand that. Absolutely. But, uh, it's uh, anything we can do to help out. Like, let me cool. know. And uh, I'll reach out to a few folks, too, that may have some connections there. Because there's, it. it's insane in New York City how many different fan club bars there are for different teams. I think there was even a yeah. Saints bar up there, believe it or not. That Oh, yeah. It's, there's, there's, Saint, there's Saints bars everywhere as well. 
Oh, s- s- small market, but a uh, rabid fan base. So, well, anyway, Thomas, thank you so much to those of you guys listening. Make sure you guys click like, and subscribe on behalf of myself on behalf of my co-host, Brian cat cat and Zaro. If it's not on the right side, it's not on the left side. It is on the fin side. What's so special about hero bread, soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.